The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs the most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Look who's come out of his cave. Thanks for tuning in. This is James from Cave Dweller Music. Uh, I have my co-host Brendan here as usual. And today we're joined by uh, Hyde Teppers uh, from multiple acts, including Carrion Misfit Toys. Uh, welcome on, on board. It's good to have you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I know that you hail from Norway, uh, a country that's famous, obviously, for black metal. Uh, but it seems like, from what I've seen, there's a massively growing scene of other styles in the country, including industrial music. Um, did you want to tell us a little bit about sort of what the scene's like, uh, where you're from? You know, people keep asking me that, like, what what the scene is like, as if I would know. I mean, I live alone in the middle of the woods in a fairly, you know, it's not like it's only me, but it is more or less countryside. And the, the only thing I really know about any kind of scene is, like, there's maybe what, a couple of metal bands here and there play the same two or three clubs that are still in existence. So, like, there isn't really a whole lot, really. Um, I mean, you know, there's. I do know that there's some, like, noise, industrial, kind of more underground stuff going on, but it's fairly small. Interesting. And whereabouts in Norway are you located? West Coast. Okay, uh, so what's the closest sort of major city to where you are? Uh, the closest would be Bergen. Okay, all right. That's uh, I'm fami- a little bit familiar with that one. Yeah. Um, so when you when you contribute to your bands and all that, do you do that remotely, or is it do you kind of meet with people, or how do you uh, contribute if you're normally, like you said, living sort of on your own out in the countryside? Yeah, it kind of depends. I mean, if it's carrying, then. I just do that myself because that was something that was started originally by just me. And then I just picked up a few people along the way, really. Um, For Misfit Toys, uh, they're based in Florida. So right now, I'm obviously not uh, able to go over there. But uh, when I was there last year, it was very like I, you know, I was living with uh, Richie, the vocalist of the band, who's also the founder of that band. So we'd be working pretty collaboratively, just whenever we felt like it, really. Uh, right now, it's uh, we're not really doing anything uh, with, with Misfit Toys at the moment. There will be something, but I don't really know when. Uh, and as for Carrion, that's uh, mostly I will basically create the foundations of something and then I'll send that to the other two guys who will then add in their contributions and we just take it from there. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um, So basically for anyone who's listening, who doesn't really know either of your your projects, Mm -hmm. um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Carrion and and, and the project's history and what you guys play? Right. Uh, Carrion was something I started in, I think, 2013, maybe, maybe even before that. I really don't know. But uh, it kind of came about from that. I 
I've always played in bands. I was always trying to start bands. Uh, but I kept running into this issue of that I grew up in a really, just a really small place. Uh, you know, it's that kind of cliche story where you're like the only weirdo. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, I mean, you know, it's it's not no point in even telling that story because I'm pretty sure we all know how how, how that story goes. But, um, so, you know, I tried starting all these bands and I was into bands like, I was really into like 80s rock, like Wasp and Motley Crue and all that shit. But at the same time, I was into like punk and black metal and all that. So that's the kind of stuff I would be trying to play. But, you know, the people that I'd start all these bands with, this is when I was like 13, 14. And everyone was into like pop punk and metalcore and all this kind of stuff. Um mm-hmm. So that didn't really work out. And I just accidentally stumbled into industrial, you know, finding bands like No Bouton or Nine Inch Nails or Ministry or even like the first wave of industrial, like Coil and Robin Grizzle. And just kind of being really fascinated with, I guess, just the overall experimental nature of it, you know, how you can literally make music or at least sounds out of anything and also the fact that it didn't require other people so you know with all these bands that i had been with it 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 was always the case of like i'd start as a bassist and then suddenly i'd be playing guitar or drums or you know so i already had a little bit of knowledge uh kind of knew how to play a little bit of everything so you know i just started exploring this like industrial electronic music kind of thing and tried to teach myself how to do that how to use um like a digital audio workstation so you know software and programming music and, and that kind of thing uh and i guess carrying came out of came out of just experimenting with that. But, you know, I always, like, I listened to rock and metal and that's the kind of stuff that I wanted to play. And so I kind of started moving away from the whole electronic thing and kind of pulling more from the, I guess, the like the more experimental and avant-garde parts of industrial and mixing in more of, the rock and metal sides of things and just creating this weird little hybrid. Yeah, I kind of picked, oh, well, this is my take on it, at least, but I, when I reviewed the album um, that you released back in January, which was uh, Testament of the Exile, the revised edition, Yeah, I, I, I kind of picked up some of those metal influences talking about, like, um, this may just be me, but I thought there was a sort of black metal tinge to it in the production and the rawness of the actual sound. Because a lot of the time I find with industrial music, you, you kind of get a sort of crisp cleanness to the actual sound quality. Um, the elements might be harsh, but the actual audio quality is kind of overproduced a lot of the time. But your music, I like the fact that it was sort of, the, there was a rawness to the actual audio quality itself, yeah. uh, which is something you don't really see a lot in your genre, at least not that I see very often. Yeah, uh, you know, the funny thing about that, though, is... I mean, first of all, that's not something that is done purposely. Like, I'm not sitting here with high-end production gear and then trying to make something sound, I guess, more raw than what it really does. Like, that's just a result of the fact that I'm broke. 
I can't afford all these fucking things. I can't afford, you know, $20,000 studios or producers or anything. Like everything that I do is very DIY. It's very rooted in that punk ideology because that's the kind of stuff that I grew up listening to. But, you know, as far as like industrial or rather the way industrial is today, I don't really like seeing that as industrial because uh, it kind of seems like it's become just dance music you know it's just yeah. just dark EBM but when I think of industrial what I think of is like Coil and Throbbing Gristle and very very experimental well I mean they would call it anti-music which is what they did call it back then and the entire point of industrial was to break down I guess the barriers and traditions and limitations of what was considered music like conventional music and it's just i don't know it's kind of funny baffling that something that began as this very in many ways a very extremist thing kind of just evolved or devolved into pristine little dance songs right to some extent, I, I kind of think the noise scene, like the harsh noise scene and the noise scene have kind of taken the mantle that you're talking about of being anti-music uh, with the harshness and, you know, the whole DIY quality to it. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you, you could say that, but, you know, I can also say that I, like I can criticize the noise scene for the same thing. You know, when that started, when when that started, there was more of a point to it. You know, there was like a very clear agenda, like here's what we're trying to do. Here's why we're doing it. And now, you know, not unlike the black metal scene, it's kind of just overrun with distorted microwave sounds that have no fucking meaning. It's completely fucking shallow. <laughs> And a bunch of, I don't know, wannabe Nazis and misogynism, which, you know, it's just funny because like a lot of a lot of what's like, say someone like like Throbbing Gristle, you know, like Genesis P. Orridge wasn't, you know, it, it, that wasn't a person who was conventional by any standards, whether it be conforming to gender roles or in terms of the music they made or anything. So it's kind of weird that such um what, what what i don't know like a i guess you can call it a lgbtq icon i suppose you know someone who came from like a counterculture and makes this music and then that music gets taken and used in a completely opposite agenda right so i don't know it, i mean you know it's not every noise artist but um uh the, the, like i will listen to like noise and power electronics and things like that uh and there are still interesting things happening in that scene but a lot of it is unfortunately kind of overrun with all this just politics and bullshit it's it's kind of one of those things where a lot of bands sort of incorporate elements of it more often than not. And I think you're, you're kind of right to some extent that the scene itself with the hardcore, this is just that stuff, has become a bit weird. I don't know if you heard about a band last year called, it was Duma. Uh, did you hear about their album last year? The self-titled, they're from, uh, they're actually an African band oh. uh, from Kenya. Yeah, no, I haven't heard of it. Uh, it's really interesting stuff. I I'll send you a link after the, the interview. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what you think of it. But um, it was one of my albums of the year. Uh, they, they took ethnographic recordings, so actual like uh, African ethnographic recordings, mixed it with harsh noise, power electronics, and grindcore, yeah. but they kept all the all the tribal influences. So you have like all the tribal drums, uh, African rhythms, 
and then all those interesting recordings. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I think that for me was a really cool example of a fresh take on that style of music and on that scene. Yeah, you know, you know, but, there are people that will do stuff like that that is still interesting, but uh, a lot of people kind of seem to take it a little too literally. Yeah, just noise. Yeah, just literal fucking noise. noise. Like, it is absolutely, like, it is actually just, you could record your microwave for, like, an hour, <laughs> pull it into some fucking, like, distortion effect on your laptop and call it a day. Right, and people then that runs 36 minutes and that's the album. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like that's not really that interesting or thought-provoking or anything. Um, Brendan, I know that I um, only introduced you really to to Carrion uh, this week before the interview. Um, did you have any thoughts you wanted to sort of share on, on your take on, on the music? Uh, I thought it was great. Um, the the first kind of you know intro kind of reminded me of like some like alien spaceship kind of taking off in a way like preparing for takeoff and then um the album just like kept going um went like kind of like real dark and i'd have to say it was just really dark man um right reminded me of um being uh i don't know just like in in like a like a prison cell or something by myself forever you know like (laughs) um and then, like, having, like, all these aliens, like, coming around me, like, especially, like, I don't know, the end of the album, too, was really good, like, it was awesome, man. It was, um, I love the, uh, what was it, the third song, um, had, like, a real kind of, like, almost a 1990s, like, amazing, like, just vibe to it that was, like, it's had me, like, fist pumping in the air, like, yeah, all right, let's go, and then, uh, yeah, it was I, good, man. I can't then, even uh, remember what the third song is. Oh, yeah, putting tape over Martyr's Mouths. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then right after that, um, you know, it was like, um, it was like more like kind of the spaceship of this like alien vessel that's like lifted me off the ground, you know? It's fucking cool. It's yeah, really thank you. Um, yeah, you know, those like the, like the intro interlude kind of things like the shorter instrumental things that's uh like a lot of those things are made by uh sam who's one of the other members he just goes around and records things just on his phone just field recordings and sends it to me and i'll manipulate it further and it's funny that you mentioned um you know this like alien environment because uh for for that album, I kind of started bringing in uh, using modular synths a little bit, which might look a little bit like a spaceship to a lot of people because it does, you know, it's just like blinking yeah. lights and cables and weird shit everywhere. The, um, that third track that Brendan mentioned, the putting type of Martyr's Mouse, that was the one you made the music video yeah, for, yeah. wasn't it? I had um, Eddie, Eddie LaFleur. Yeah, from Decent News. Uh, which was a you remixed one, I think it was Blood of Saints. Um, you did like three remixes on the, the real, yeah. Version. We did. Um, I had my friends in Decent News, Vanity Kills, and Dead Agent, they all did a remix of the Blood of Saints, and then I did like a alternate version of uh, To Eat Crow, and oh, yeah, and there was um. I guess like a new bonus song thing called uh, Dogs of Hell. 
That's yeah, that's the one. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, we were actually interviewing uh, Raymond Watts. Um, I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, and um, Ken McDM. Yeah, um, he was on the show last week. We were interviewing him, and I actually talked about oh. our album with him um, about that remix, um, the remix versions yeah. of that song. Um, told him to go check them out um, because I thought it was awesome how different all three of those remixes sounded from the original. It was almost like four entirely different songs made from the same song, which I thought that was like people try and do it, but you guys did it really yeah, well. Yeah, you know, that's what I um, like. I'll do remixes sometimes and when i think i do know that there are other people who do it this way like i'm definitely not a pioneer but uh whenever i have someone wanting me to do a remix i only ever want the vocals and what i'll do is i'll listen to the original song kind of get a feel for that and then i'll take the vocals and kind of build something new around it uh, sometimes i will sometimes i'll consider things like you know okay is the original song a ballad is it like a more fast-paced thing like what kind of atmosphere is it and i try to kind of turn that upside down a little bit or manipulate it in a way so that maybe you see things from a different level uh you know maybe i'll consider like what's the lyrical content so when we set out to do the remixes for The Blood of Saints, I, I'm pretty sure I only provided the vocal tracks for it. And uh, each of these artists who did it, like Decent News, they do like this industrial rock thing, I guess. Uh, Vanity Kills is... Uh, kind of like a dirty, gritty, kind of punk rock thing, but with synths. And uh, Dead Agent is more of uh, almost like an EBM type of thing, which isn't the kind of music I listen to at all. But I like the Dead Agent stuff mm-hmm. because I just I just like the way that he does that. Like he does it in a way that's more interesting than just a simple like four on the floor and repetitive fucking synth lines and you know the usual shit yeah he uh that was a really interesting mix of it the ebm one i i remember actually um this is that one a second time um because we were talking it came up because we were talking about with Raymond watts uh talking about remixes of industrial music and he was actually talking about the concept of on his website maybe like putting up a bunch of his songs and just saying, have at it, here's the bass files, remix it and send it to me. Uh-huh. Um, which I think is kind of a cool concept for, you know, it's a cool idea um, for bands to do that. Because I'd love to hear your take on one of his songs if it does end up happening. It'd be interesting to see that. You know, I've, I've like um, thought about doing but, stuff yeah. like that too. And um, that agent who did one of those uh, remixes of The Blood of Saints, he did that uh, not too long ago. He just put up the files for I think it was like an EP or an album or something and he had everyone just do a remix and then he released it as an album where he gave the profits to some kind of charity thing I think it was the ACLU or something wow that's actually really cool did did pretty well too and raised a decent amount of money yeah that's awesome I'm gonna have to check that out is that on his uh, Yeah, it should be. Uh, I think it's called the Distribution of Power. 
Okay. Yeah, it's something like that. And there's like a fuck ton of songs on there. Uh, I did, I think I did two remixes on that album, uh, which I did under the name uh, From the Mouth of Belial. No, it's called Distribution of Power and it has like 26 songs and it's all just remixes by pretty much anyone who felt like doing it. Yeah, that's a cool concept. Speaking of those those bands in the remixes, Vanity Kills, that is Joe Crow, isn't it? That's yes. his project. Um, the, the other member yeah. of Karen. He, um, I guess it's sort of a similar situation to Karen, really, where, you know, I started Karen on my own and I've had people in and out through the years. Same thing with Joe and with, uh, with Vanity Kills. You know, it's like he started it, he does most of the production and you know just picks up people here and there it's kind of cool that you guys have uh teamed up for yeah you know we've we've known each other for a while and i like doing interviews and stuff recently like after after he joined you know people will ask like well how did you meet i don't fucking know i can't remember it (laughs) like he's just been around forever i guess and you know we've just like talked here and there done done little things together like did some remix stuff for him or you know just stuff like that and um it actually only started out with that i had someone another member and wasn't really working out and i needed to to just get some get some recordings get some recordings done and for whatever reason, I thought of Joe. So I messaged him and I was like, hey, can, can you do this thing? And he did it. And I think like the same day, we ended up having a, like a video chat on Facebook and you just kind of, you know, talked for a couple hours about like him joining the band and like what that would entail and, you know, all that, all that kind of thing. It happened pretty fast pretty like Mm -hmm. kind of like just an organic way it wasn't really what i had in mind when i had first asked him to do the recordings that was more i I needed someone to do it and i knew that he you know seemed like a reliable guy so i asked him here we are and uh the late the album the most recent one we just talking about came out on uh brutal resonance records um yeah those guys are fantastic uh put out some really cool stuff um, did you reach out to them or did they contact um, you with that one? They have, um, they've just kind of been someone that I've had contact with somewhat consistently for a while. Um, you know, I would always just do the usual thing, like sending press releases and whatever. And, you know, they'd always just help out in whatever way they could. And I remember when they first uh when they first announced that they were doing the label thing i emailed them and i was you know just like congratulate them and i just kind of mentioned like you know if you would be interested in anything then let me know at the time though like this was when they had just started the label so it wasn't like they wanted to take on too much right away uh so you know I just didn't push the matter. And then a little bit of time goes by and they, uh, I think they posted on Facebook or something that they had some openings. So I just sent them an email again, you know, like, Hey, I had an opening. Here's what I got, got going on right now. Let me know if you're interested. And yeah, they got back to me and here we are. 
That's great. Those guys um, they put out some really cool stuff. Um, they were, were they a review site or a PR firm before that? I think it was PR, wasn't it, um, before the label? Pro Wrestlings? Yeah, before the label, yeah. it was... Uh, I mean, it still is a magazine or online magazine or whatever you want to call that. It's a, it's a website. I don't know. Yeah, they, they just promote music and cover music news and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know, they I post news and uh, they do interviews and reviews and... It's kind of like what you do, but just imagine that you also had a label. Um, so what's the other project that you're involved in? We've been talking about Carrion. With Misfit Toys, how did you sort of come to be with a band that uh, is based in uh, Florida? I think it started out with... Now, I guess the industrial scene globally is is pretty small. Like everyone either knows each other or knows of each other. Uh, so, you know, I had heard the name Misfit Toys. I sort of knew that it was a band, hadn't really listened to it. Uh, and I guess, I, I think it started with that. I messaged Richie, the vocalist, and just asked if he'd be interested in doing a remix for a Carrion album. And, uh, you know, we just kind of kept talking. Uh, at the time, he wasn't able to do the remix, but we, you know, we kept in touch and uh, we just kind of discovered that we had a lot of, I guess there's a lot of common ground just as far as how we see music and industrial and just all of these little things, I guess, that we could kind of connect over. And uh, they, they recently, I guess, lost or got rid of whatever it may have been, uh, their previous synth and keyboard player. So I just kind of, you know, just told him like, well, I know how to do those things. So I'm also able to travel. Now, the interesting thing here is that uh, around the same time that we started talking about me uh, joining the band, I also got together with uh, uh, who's now my girlfriend who lived in Tampa in Florida. So both of these things kind of happened at the same time. And it kind of looked like, you know, whether I joined this band or not, it seems like I'll be going to going to Florida either way. And, you know, Tampa isn't that far from Orlando. Uh, so, you know, it just kind of, it's, it's just kind of all worked out at the same time. And uh, so I went over there. Uh, we had some rehearsals. It went pretty well. Uh, then uh, after a while, I just moved in with Richie. We started uh, working on some new music. Uh, we released a single called Blythe Din, uh, as well as uh, kind of like a re reworked version of an older song called Words Unsaid. Uh, we did some stuff for which is intended for uh, a new album. So yeah, things just kind of just worked out. That Blythe Din, that's is that the title of the the, most light, the latest release that has all the yeah that would be uh, it was released as uh, it has a, it has the song itself Blythe Din and then it has a bunch of remixes mm -hmm. by uh, friends of ours you know friends of mine friends of uh, Misfit Toys yes he decent that was a fun uh, album I listened to that today I listened yeah. to that twice today 
reminded me of like happy like music with like just really dark like great vocals i was like all right man i feel like i was like at a dance party that like i always wanted to be at but i could never i don't know just, didn't <laughs> yeah do i remember um just sitting outside uh sitting outside richie's house writing the lyrics to that song i mean richie wrote the lyrics to it i'm not like gonna say that i did it but uh the chorus of that song i can't remember what it says anymore but i remember me and richie sitting outside one day and just translating old hebrew prayers or something to use for the chorus and just trying mm -hmm. to just trying to make sure that you know getting the message through you know the message that he wanted to get through with that song but also I don't know, correct grammar, but in Hebrew, which none of us speak Hebrew. So yeah, it's just one of those weird, weird little things that happen sometimes. What made you pick he uh, Hebrew for hmm? Like, How did that come to mind? How did that sort oh, of come of to using mind? Hebrew? Yeah, you're doing that. Uh, I guess yeah. it just, I mean, really, you'd have to ask Richie about this. But, um, you know, uh, Richie's, uh, Richie's a Christian. And uh, one of the big reasons that I wanted to, th that I offered to, to join Misfit Toys was the fact that there's a lot of bands that make, I guess, similar music to that, where it is, I guess, a little more on the uh, throw dancey kind of style. And, you know, a lot of the time it doesn't seem like they really put that much into it. Uh, but through talking to Richie before offering to come over and, and play with them, uh, I discovered that, yeah, okay, so we have a lot of common ground, but we also have a lot of similarities in the way that we do things, like the way that he thinks about, okay, artwork or lyrics or or even just constructing the music itself like everything is done very purposely you know it's not uh it's not the case of like using a pentagram for shock value or or anything like that like any anything that's there it, it always has a reason to be there it isn't just done like for fun i guess so uh you know a, a lot of the fact that he is religious probably does play a part into i would imagine especially uh lyrical content and the fact that that particular song had hebrew prayers in it and um blackton you said from an upcoming album um is that the one that's called yes. the nine that will be coming out sometime i think in the um last i heard it was being i think it was being mixed or mastered i can't remember which one um but there, there's no release date or anything like like that right now. Um, uh, I did the artwork for Blythe Den and plan is that I'm also going to do the artwork for uh, for for the album itself. Uh, so at some point, uh, me and Richie are just going to have to have a conversation about you know what direction that we want to take the artwork into as well, because uh, both of us kind of have this view that uh, 
the art is just as important as the music. Like when you pick up the CD or or you just see, you know, like the cover art, it should be some kind of representation of the album, both musically and lyrically, and kind of be this like image of what what it sounds like, I guess. Right. Now that uh, totally makes know. sense. Uh, uh, I think all the music is done, though. I think... uh, we did get a lot done when I was there. And uh, they, uh, the rest of the guys in that band, uh, kept working on it uh, after I got back to Norway. Um, so yeah, like that—that that hasn't really been all that affected by everything else. And uh, are you going to reach out again? Do you think to um, brutal resonance for that one, or are you going to go? Like, no, I think um, I think that's or? just going to stay independent. Uh, I wasn't even really planning on doing anything with the label, uh, but um, you know, it, it just so happened that you know it was brutal resonance, and I I knew those guys from before. I knew there wouldn't be any of the. Uh, because they hear a lot of horror stories, you know, about bands that sign the labels and then they lose creative control and there's these schedules and it just fucking sucks the joy out of it. And I knew that that wouldn't happen with Brutal Resonance. And I was already, before uh, I knew that they would have an opening for the label, I was already kind of playing around with the idea of doing like a special edition type of release with like bonus material and all that. So that was already something I was planning on doing. So when they got back to me and were like, yeah, we, we want to, you know, we want to do this thing with you. I already had pretty much everything ready. Like I had the artwork, I had a fully fledged idea. Um, I might have, already started the music video uh not really sure on that but uh yeah like most of the stuff that came out after signing to them i was already working on before that was even a thing so yeah no that just you know okay. it's kind of the same with like joining misfit toys and stuff just falls into place um, Brendan, i know that you have some questions that you uh would like to ask so i'll let you uh fire off those ones um, since we're doing remixes, uh, we've talked about them. Uh, who uh, would you want to uh, remix your favorite album? And like, if you could do that album with them, um, like you know, who basically like who would you like to collaborate with? Just any to, album, uh, remix, like, like any album that's ever album. released. Or what, well, you're like like one of your fit. Yeah, it, it could be anything you wanted. I don't like, know. Wanted to listen I'll to. Like, that's a hard question. <laughs> You can answer in two parts if you want. Uh, who would you like to work with? And then maybe an yeah, album as well. Like Trent Reznor or something. Just because, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm like a huge fucking Nine Inch Nails fan. But just because of, I don't know, he just has a weird kind of unconventional work method, it seems. Like he's always coming up with these weird ways of doing things and interesting sounds. Um so, so that might be one. Um, another one would be, I guess, more like an underground artist would be uh, a friend of mine who's a modular artist uh, who uh, releases 
all these modular albums under the name Black Moth, just because we, it's this weird thing where we kind of, we, we have the same idea, but kind of, we don't necessarily have the same execution of it. So just doing something with him and seeing what happens if we we put both of us together could be an interesting thing, which is actually almost something that we are working on. Uh, it's not a remix album. It's more of like a collaboration split type of thing, which uh, will, I guess, more details about that will yeah. be will be posted at some point later this month. If you could uh, open for anybody, you know, like, you know, be the opening act for a, a big name or like one of your favorite uh, artists, who, who would that be? Hmm, probably Wasp, which would go so fucking terribly. Like, I don't think that I don't think that the audience <laughs> that goes to a Wasp show would be very accepting of what we do. But fuck it, it'd be fun for me because like that's yeah. that's the music that I that was listening to when when I was starting my first few bands, you know. So I, I don't really care if it was. I mean, we could get booed off stage yeah. and we could have like fucking bottles of piss thrown at us. I don't fucking care. It'd still be great because I still got to open for Wasp. Brendan, just before you ask the next one, I just have a question to ask based on that one. Yeah. So of the shows that you've been to, like concerts you've been to. What was the weirdest pairing that you've seen, like opening artists with like a, an, an mm. act that followed them that made uh, more sense? I mean, when I was in Florida, I went to see uh, I went to see Mortis, and uh, let's say Mortis was the headliner, and one of the opening acts was a band called Tube, which uh, are friends of mine. It's more of like a noise kind of thing, and I guess I could see how that works, but. The very first band was, I think it was, I can't fucking remember the name. It was probably just like a local act or something, but it was just this one guy. And I think he tried to act like a vampire and it was just really weird and cheesy. And (laughs) I think he was supposed to be doing some kind of like gothy kind of post-punk thing. But it wasn't even a band. It was just like one dude and a microphone. And he was saying all this weird shit about vampires. And he kept, (laughs) and he just, I don't know. It was like he was just trying really fucking hard to be this goth kid. And I don't know. I think I physically cringed. Brendan, what about you for that question? What's the weirdest gig you've been to Like as far as lineups go? Do you want me to answer mine so you have a minute to think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got two. So one was the first time I saw Black Sabbath. Um, the the band that was supporting was She Had. No, uh, I, have, you, have you guys heard of She Had? No, they're a New Zealand band, but they're like alternative rock, and they play on the radio and stuff. It just it was a very weird choice to put them with Black Sabbath. Not even vaguely the same music whatsoever. Um, that was just a weird pairing. But the weirdest one overall would have to be I know I saw Obituary. Uh, the death metal band and uh yeah um and the opening act for them was just two dudes uh one guy with the drum kit and one guy with the guitar and they just played like a punk grindcore blend that was a comedy act this was in australia and they're both wearing mankinis like from borat you know the 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 one piece and like swimsuit (laughs) from borat uh and all their songs were just joke songs and it's just those two dudes playing for like 
45 minutes before obituary, um, before William Rock played for obituary, but it made you absolutely know, the funny no thing sense is, um, at all that they opened for it. it was we did weird. a Misfit Toys show where we did have a stand-up comedian opening. Yep. And I think they had a ukulele and a fedora oh, really? and a Hawaiian shirt. That's all I remember anything from <laughs> what his show was about. I just remember the way he was dressed and that he had a ukulele and thinking that it's really weird having a stand-up comic opening a, a music show, which to make it weirder, because, you know, okay, so you mentioned obituary, right? And Florida used to be very, you know, like mm-hmm. death metal capital. And apparently that's still a thing, yep. but the quality has just sunken considerably low. And so the show that we're playing, it's like we are the only kind of industrial band. And then there's this stand-up comic and there's, you know, those bands that just consists of like, there's like a 50-year-old guy and he's got a cowboy hat and he's trying to be like Motley Crue, just living out his teenage dream. Like, just the strangest combination of things. And I was part of that, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. How did the uh, audience react to the stand-up? Like, did they know like, what is happening or did they kind of get into it? A whole lot of audience was present for that because uh, I think that was maybe, if not the oh, okay. first act, it might have been the second, but it was pretty early. And, uh, you know, it's the typical thing of um, people don't really show up until later in the night. So I think at that point, it was just mm-hmm. the bands that, that were playing and the people working at the venue. Um, Brandon, uh, you got yours? So um, I brought my wife to go see uh, Earthless. And um, it was, uh, I think I want to say Venom Sabathi was the other band. And the opener, um, we were like, uh, was I like Maggot, Maggot Heart. Or no, Maggot Heart was the middle band. So... Yeah, it was it was just a little different though because like she, she was just so rock like, and roll, my dude. Much more aggressive and and um, abrasive than like these. Yeah, not <laughs> rock. I felt like oh, she yeah. wasn't rock and roll compared to like you know the other two bands, which were like you know rock and roll. You know what I mean? Like I felt like it was just out of place. I liked it. I was just like, wow. It was just I don't know. It just didn't quite fit yeah. the bill. But it was good. It was still a good show. I remembered it. You know, like. It was right before, uh, it was, I think it was in November I saw it, right? You know, 2019. So yeah. it was just before uh, all the shit hit the fan. Yeah, that that obituary gig that I was talking about That's was actually the last live show bad. I saw before everything kind of fell apart. At least you got to see obituary, uh, though. Yeah, my last show was uh, Ohm. I didn't see this necessarily oh as my it God. happened. Oh, yeah, nice. But, uh, you know, I'd watch MTV and VH1 and stuff as a child and like, you know, in in my childhood, early teens, whatever. And they would do a lot of these reruns of like the Nirvana and Plugged and all that. And I was never really into the 90s. Like, I'm into like 60s, 70s, 80s for the most part. Uh, When it comes to the 90s, I kind of cut off. There's a few things here and there in the 90s that I will be into, but it's, I don't know. 
you know, if someone asks me like what decade of music I'm into, I'm not very likely to point out the 90s really, unless it's to be like, oh, the downward spiral. The 90s was a very weird time musically. Um, like the only right. thing I really take from the 90s is the oh, early yeah. 90s, like old school death metal scene. Um, but apart from apart from that, there wasn't really a lot of great stuff going on. That's when like the first mashup started too, with um, that Judgment Night soundtrack when they had hip hop artists and uh, you know metal bands and um, you know just do out like songs together. Like that was pretty. It was pretty cool. Well. <laughs> some, some neat stuff. No, it's yeah. I mean, there was some interesting stuff going as well, but it was also it was also a really weird time. Like new new metal was a very weird time uh, in general. It's, it's, it's still it's, weird. It's, it's I never got into that time for metal. Uh, it's still metal, weird. metal corn <laughs> thing. If you want to count dope as no. a new metal album or a band, then I guess that would be the only thing. But they, to me, they were more of like just a rock metal industrially kind of thing really like especially if you compare it to 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 something like corn you know yeah no uh, the 90s is not my favorite decade there's yeah you know there's like nine inch nails and ministry and obviously the the death metal and and the black metal stuff that happened then but i think a big part of why why i'm so more drawn to like the 80s specifically is because in the 80s, you had, you know, you, you kind of get the, the the first, like, the beginnings of what became black and death metal. But at the same time, you have, you have like, goth and post-punk. And then you have, you know, the 80s was when pop music was, like, dead or alive with, with, with uh, Pete Burns, you know? Like, pop music wasn't bad in the 80s. But then you also have like the metal stuff, like the thrashy kind of thing and Metallica and Megadeth and all that shit. And uh, yeah, just just so much better. Yeah, you know, just so much variation I in made, one decade. Yeah, I think you're right. Things really did like from like 80 through to 90 progressed yeah. a lot like musically. There's a lot of new genres that came into existence, a lot of new sounds. I agree with you with that, like post the post uh, yeah. punk stuff. I absolutely love that the eighties post I mean, punk stuff. Yeah, you know, like that's a lot of what um, I listen to is that kind of thing. It's like I'll go from Morbid Angel to Sisters of Mercy, or Fields of Nephilim, or you know that whole like Batcave yeah. scene kind of thing. What's your favorite um, music besides um, you know, like, like something outside of hmm. your uh, your normal listening? You know, music that you like, you know, you play music that you like, that you like, but like, is there something that you like that, you know, that you listen oh, to? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you were like, ah, I'm not going to play uh, music like this. I just like like old this. country. Yes. Old country, you know, none of this like radio like pop stuff? shit. None of that crap. Like Hank yeah. Williams Sr. Yeah. or Waylon Jennings or Johnny Cash even, you know? Yeah. You know, like yeah. country gets a lot of shit, but... Yeah, that's Anytime right. someone's like, you know, posting like a meme about how crappy country is, I'm always just thinking, oh, you've only heard that shit on the radio, haven't you? You know, all this like outlaw country stuff. Yep. It's just a dude telling stories about, you know, Robin Banks being drunk, getting his heart broken, wanting to fucking die. Like, what's so bad about that? I mean, yeah, there's a bit of yodeling sometimes, but you know, whatever. I, uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I uh, I love that old stuff. I kind of 
I was one of those people for a long time who kind of wrote the whole genre of country music off because I'd only really heard the stuff on the radio. I was one of those people. But then I actually decided to investigate the genre. And there's a lot of really good subgenres of country. Like like you said, the, the classic outlaw stuff, that stuff's awesome. Um, yeah. And then you got like all the dark country and gothic country stuff. And that stuff's also awesome. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. James, what was the name of that band you got me into? Oh, uh, like like... uh, the one that had the blue uh, bluegrass influences as well? Yeah, uh, I think so. But Butchers um, and the Builders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is it good stuff? Would you say it's have like you, kind of yeah, the same category as uh, something like those poor bastards or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's along those lines. It's yeah, like a very like, like bluesy, folky type thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, I haven't vocals. heard that specifically, but uh, yeah. I have heard stuff like those poor bastards and Sons of Perdition right. and all that. Whole song about like drowning in a lake and. Yeah, it's kind of along those lines. It's, I think it's a little bit folkier, maybe. Um, but it's that type of stuff. Same as like, uh, what's that band called? Oh, um, um, there's the one that was really big that yes, did that song, yeah, uh, Black Soul Choir, uh, 16 Volts, oh, yeah, 16 yeah, Volts like 16 or something power. like that. Yeah, me too. That stuff's great. Um, good, awesome band. Um, that's another genre people write off, like the whole yeah, folky I mean, blue really, stuff. There's some really good yeah, stuff. In people there as well. see the country name and think of, I don't know. I don't know if this is a real artist, like a real radio country artist, but I feel like there is someone called Luke Evans. Yeah, they probably just think of like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, there is. That's yeah. Yeah. But you know, yeah. like when I was growing up, um, yeah, like my stepdad would exactly, listen to a lot of like exactly Alan it. Jackson and that kind of shit. They're like real. And twin, so you know, like, I always heard that kind of country right. and wasn't like super into it. Uh, and I don't even know how how I ended up here, really. I just, I, I guess one day I just started researching country music, and I mean, you know, Johnny Cash was playing when when I was when I was younger, and you know, just seeing that movie, I walked the line. Uh, so I guess maybe could could be coming from there, just kind of seeing mm-hmm. that and hearing Johnny Cash, and you know, that kind of sparking an interest in seeing what this whole thing was about and just discovering this whole outlaw, you know, David Allen Cole and all that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a shame that our other co-host Matt isn't here. Cause he, uh, he, he was a radio host in small country towns in Australia for a very long time. And he's the one that actually got me onto good country music. He spent so much time listening to the terrible stuff. It's like, there's gotta be better stuff out there. Um, and yeah, he got really, really yeah. into the, the genre. He introduced me to a lot of, good artists and that started me looking down that pathway um but i think like this what you're talking about for like the luke what's his name luke bryan um that i kind of classify that as like you know like pickup truck country yeah. like the working class red white and blue country stuff and that yeah that's the radio stuff and that's the stuff i, I can't stand like well to be to fair fire, a lot of outlaw music is truck. also like, about that, drinking whiskey <laughs> yeah <laughs> although there is usually there's more depth that's to true. it. I that's, mean, that's a common fact. Country, <laughs> uh, I think it was like a documentary or something I watched where they basically just said, you know, country's like the white man's blues because that's, well, that's what it came from. Like country did come from blues music mm-hmm. and uh, blues music was very, you know, 
I not necessarily simple, but you know, it was very straightforward. Dude, there's so many variations of blues that like came. Yeah, you know, that's that another way. thing that oh, I, I love listen to every now and then, just like old blue stuff. Yeah, uh, Howling Wolf, Lightning Hopkins, yes, like that. Howling Wolf, that that type of thing. Yeah, I love that stuff. There's some um, pretty good like new wave blues stuff out there as well. Um, what's it called? Agnostic oh, okay. uh, Mountain Choir, I think it's called. Uh, it's a really good modern blues act that I really like. Um, after yeah, I'll no, a link to that one. As I well. haven't really been able to like interview from a couple of different genres. I actually. usually like um, to just go on, say Bandcamp or something, and. You know, I'll go in like the metal tag or industrial tag or goth tag or whatever. And what I'll do is I will find, like, I will mm -hmm. just click the thing where you see the newest releases instead of like the popular ones. Uh, and I'll just listen to all the stuff that's like released that day or that week and just kind of see if I find something good because I, I, I tend to be pretty vocal about uh, supporting small artists and the thing is when i say small artists i mean real small artists mm -hmm. i don't mean someone who has a decent budget from what may be an indie label and might be popular within a small scene because that's a band that you know you are already fairly established at that point like yeah you're still small but you're you are no so you know i like to find the, the artists that are that just released like their first song or their first album or something like that and you know sometimes i will like sometimes i'll you know message them get in touch with them and maybe see if they want to do something or you know uh uh, sometimes I will write reviews and do interviews for uh, the site uh, Sounds and Shadows. And I, you know, if I like their album enough, then I will use Sounds and Shadows as a way to kind of give them some kind of exposure, either by doing a review or interviewing them or maybe doing like a video premiere or whatever it might be. But these days I haven't been able to really find any new music because i've been just so busy with just planning the next move for carrie and like we uh we've been in the process of writing another album uh which that's of course a whole job in itself and then it's all the other stuff that comes along with it like you know artwork or planning music videos and all, all those types of things i totally get that i uh because I mean, we try and do the exact same thing with our site. That's that's. Uh, I always try to support the smaller artists that submit yeah. music to us yeah. directly, as opposed to, you know, stuff that gets sent by a bigger label, the PR firm, backing them. Oh, um, I know. It's it's hard to do it sometimes just to find the time because we get so many emails per week. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I reviewed something on the day that had like six likes on Facebook and no Instagram account, and they yeah. got the album out that week type thing. So you know, like the. Yeah, it's you know, there's, there's so much stuff there because it's easier to put out music and uh, the, on the negative side of it, there's a lot of oh, shit, yeah. but there is, there is still a lot of good stuff out there, but um, yeah. I guess <laughs> just the music industry as a whole has just been crumbling for the past couple of decades and, 
no one really wants to take any risks anymore other than maybe indie labels but you know you can only go so far with them and you can do the diy thing but you can only get so far doing that if you don't know what the fuck you're doing so there's tons and tons of great bands that are doing just right. cool shit it doesn't necessarily have to be that they're fucking reinventing the wheel but right. you know just making something that's actually good instead of just mediocre right. or okay but yeah the problem is just there's just too much fucking stuff and there just mm-hmm. isn't enough time yeah. to get through all of it yeah we uh that's an interesting thing you said there because we talked I to um, it, but I don't really know this podcast or another uh, like a podcast series that's on online. Um, we had they're like a oh, okay. really underground um, sort of extreme music podcast that we're uh, we were close with one of their hosts. Um, he actually came on our show. It's not the episode's not out yet. It's in editing right now, but we did like a yearly wrap up for 2020. And for their wrap up, they divided the music into two categories, which was like um, artistic yeah. boundary pushing. Uh, so stuff that's like you know break like really interesting yeah. and out there, and then just doing music that's being done but really well, yeah. And I think like that that's kind of how you have to look yeah, at it. Is exactly. the band doesn't I have mean, to push the boundary if they uh, take a classic one style band and do it that really I discovered well. um, when I still had the time to just fuck around and look for new bands. Uh, I found this band from St. Louis called uh, the Cult Sounds and. They do, you know, it's like a post-punk goth rock kind of thing. But, you know, one of the several complaints that I have about this whole goth revival thing is that, first of all, where the fuck did the guitars go? I mean, goth music, at least in my opinion, grew out of the punk scene and... (laughs) It's just nowadays it seems to be very, uh, I guess, electronic centric, you could say, you know, there's like maybe two people and a synthesizer and a fuck ton of reverb on the vocals. Yeah. And so you have that side or then you have the side that's just trying to be Sisters of Mercy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cult sounds are a little bit younger. I think they're around the same age as I am. And I think because of that, they also grew up with different influences. You know, this is people who grew up listening to like anything from like AFI to, to, you know, like more extreme, like death and black metal stuff. And like you, you can hear that you can hear those influences in the music, which just that alone is enough to kind of set it apart and give a new spin on things. Yeah, you actually introduced me to them, um, both the music and their members. Uh, yeah, yeah, they have a new album. Uh, I think it's uh, finished. Uh, soon, I think, I think it's going to be called like The Death of a Star or something like that. Uh, I've actually heard some of the songs on it, and it's, you know, when, you know, they they, they seem to have this thing where when a band can progress but without losing their sound. It's like they're not just repeating themselves, but right. when you hear it, like when, when that album comes out, whenever it comes out, like you will know who you're listening to, but it's not because that they're just regurgitating the same thing. 
which is kind of you know one one of the things that I think would right. be right. maybe like the goal of of a musician, you know, that you're able to retain your sound but without having it result in stagnation, which is kind of what I try to do with Carrion, where I mean we released an album uh maybe two years ago now and like that compared to to testament of the exiled is different but you can probably tell that it's the, it, it is the same thing and the new stuff that that i'm working on now that's going to be on the next album that's that same thing again where you kind of take a leap away from what you did but you're not straying like way too far off the path. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, that's where you kind of get that thing where people say a band's sold out. Um, I think that's when they change their sound so drastically that it doesn't even resemble them as a band anymore. If you change your sound, you sold out. If you don't change your sound, and that's fucking bad too. So it's like you can't win. And, you know, there's very few bands out there who can more or less stay the same. Yeah. Uh, without just it just turning to shit. I mean, Motorhead did that. Yeah. They, you know, they had their sound. When they released a new album, you, you knew what to expect. Like, you knew you were getting Motorhead, but it worked for them because it just, I don't know, some, some bands can just yeah. do that, you yeah. know, like Motorhead or Slayer, except for that one album, or, or ACDC, for example. Like there are bands who can do yeah. that, but it's very few bands. <laughs> and then you have bands that change completely, and people like it still. Like Oliver, um, I absolutely love Oliver. Yeah, um, and they yeah. started as a black or, you know, band. Even something like like, like I mentioned, like, uh, AFI. They started out as like just a straight up punk band, and then suddenly they're doing this like really dramatic, like theatrical rock music and. Just all this, like every fucking album is just completely different, and then people still like it. And yeah, there's other bands like a uh, Sunail as well. Started as like uh, yeah. a black metal band, then became sort of like gothic industrial electronic stuff, and then yeah. changed they, they changed back again to be sort of like they bring black some of the black metal stuff again. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like know. it's I like that. Whenever they, they can change their sound so much, and people are still like, yeah, that's people, I guess you know, like a magazine or whatever it might be, a website or something, they're like making a post about about Carrion, for example, and it's like, oh, industrial band, and like, yeah, <clears throat> you're not wrong, but there are also like, there's a ballad on Testament of the Exiled. There's more rock centric stuff. There's a song that's more like a fast-paced, almost metal kind of thing. Like, yeah, it is industrial. Like, all of those songs do have that element to it, but it, it isn't... Like, the, I mean, I think, like, uh, at least in my opinion, the only, like, true industrial song on the entire Testament of the Exiled album is probably The Blood of Saints. It's just, that's which, you know... It's also, ironically, the only right. song, as far uh, as I can remember, sense, that yeah. is made entirely electronically. There is there is a part in that song that people tend to mistake for guitars, but it, it right. is actually okay. just a synth. But like that's a thing that I've kind of been getting into uh, oh, really? lately yeah, like, uh, as I got into, you know, modular sense. I also got more into 
just the idea of sound design. So I've been kind of playing around with, you know, using instruments in ways that aren't necessarily the conventional way, like using a guitar more as a sound design tool instead of just playing it as a guitar or trying to make synths sound like a guitar, you know, just weird little things like that. Just keeps it interesting for myself, really, because it'd be really fucking boring if I just sat down cool. and played the same goddamn power chords all the time. What do you mean? Tomorrow, riffs and blast beats is all you need to make music. <laughs> um, speaking no, of interesting so. uh, albums, uh, I don't know if you've heard of them, but have you heard of back called Kara Naya? They brought an album on, um, I think it was like last week. Um, I reviewed them, but I've been following that band for years, and they've always done like, they've always changed their sound and stuff, but they've always kind of been yeah. a blend between black metal, uh, like hardcore and kind of screamo stuff. But the last album was Chip Tune and 8-Bit. And then it was it was the weirdest album and it's one of the best things I've heard in a very long oh. time. Um, it just, they kept the black metal vocals, but they made the music Chip Tune and Lo-Fi 8-Bit um, and brought in like hip-hop, hip-hop beats um, yeah. and then some random post-hardcore clean vocals. And it was like the weirdest mix of music, but... I absolutely love. Yeah, you know, um, some, sometimes they can. So yeah, I thought that was that's super well, cool that they can just suppose. do that. Like, yeah, why not? <laughs> I was super nervous when I heard um, what they'd done, but they actually pulled it off. Um, you know, I mean, it can go either way really quickly. Fans can be like, "This is ridiculous. Yeah. Why have you done this?" Right. Or they can be like, "Oh, that's really cool that you guys decided to completely put it out there." Um, so, Brendan, uh, did you have any more of those uh, questions of yours, or was that the last one that you had? Is there anything mm, else you uh, wanted well, to uh, talk I about while you were on um, hi, uh, that, uh, that, that you wanted working to cover? on another album, and I probably can't say too much about it, but uh, I think right now the idea is that we will try to put out the first single uh, in a couple of months, around May. Uh, so that's something to look forward to i suppose um as i mentioned you know it's going to be uh, it's not going to be testament of the exile part two it's going to be kind of a progression from that and um from just judging from the songs that we have right now it seems like you know you mentioned blast beats well it's probably going to be a little heavier darker weirder possibly um so yeah, I guess that would kind of be the only thing other than that um, uh, we do still have some tapes available of the revised edition, uh, which uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, they were uh, limited to just 50 copies. It's, you know, once it's gone, it's gone for good, that kind of deal. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all that's going on right now at least mm. the things that i can say well nice. thank you so much for uh, <laughs> coming on it's been a uh, really good chatting uh had some interesting uh topics yeah, come up so yeah, yeah thank you um, we'd be happy to have you on again sometime uh once the new albums have to talk about that one as well so yeah thank you okay everyone listening uh thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time